You're listening to The Catholic Foodie, Episode 5. Welcome to The Catholic Foodie, Episode 5. My name is Jeff Young, The Catholic Foodie, and I'm so glad you're here. We do have, uh, I think, an exciting show today. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about Epiphany. Epiphany is right around the corner. Uh, We have a recap with my wife uh, on Christmas, our celebration of Christmas, Christmas Eve, especially with her. And uh, we've got some feedback. I've got uh, another beer tasting. Uh, I'm going to review the the application, the Mac application I talked to you about last last episode. And we're also going to have the winner, draw the winner of the... Uh, the Mortar and Pestle. So our first contest of the Catholic Foodie. We're going to um, draw that winner today. So as I've mentioned before, we're going to have all of this and much, much more on the menu here at the Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. I hope you have all had a very Merry Christmas. We are still in the octave of Christmas. I'm recording this on Tuesday, Tuesday, uh, December 30th, so Merry Christmas. Wow, something smells good. Those, uh, goodies in there. Granny, Granny Puckett, the goody lady? My goodness, she makes some good goodies. She's got a thing. It's like a, uh, it's like a, uh, cookies, shortbread chocolate dicing between very, it's good. Uh, it's very good. Well, as I mentioned just a moment ago, we are still in the octave of, uh, Christmas, and in the church's eyes, at least, the octave of Christmas, the eight days, uh, Christmas, including the next uh, seven days, it is as if it was still Christmas. We celebrate that every day, Christmas every day. As a matter of fact, in the liturgy of the hours, you have the same uh, psalms, the same readings for uh, morning prayer, evening prayer, office of readings, the same psalms, at least. Uh, you can vary it up a little bit, but it's the, the psalms of the first uh, Sunday uh, of uh, of the the calendar, and um, anyway, that we're, we're running out of time. We only have a few more days of uh, Christmas officially, and then we're looking forward to uh, the Epiphany. And I've got some good news about the Epiphany. The Epiphany is, uh, of course, when the three wise men came and presented gifts uh, to the child Jesus, uh, the new babe of, uh, of Bethlehem. And uh, on January 5th, well, Epiphany is January 6th, but on January 5th, I will uh, be contributing another um, short episode of The Catholic Foodie to the Advent calendar that uh, Sean has put together. Uh, Sean McGahee, I believe is how you pronounce uh, his last name. And uh, you can find that calendar at catholicroundup.com. So I will be talking that day about uh, the Epiphany and about a special celebration, special uh, tradition that we have here in the New Orleans area, really all of southeast Louisiana, and that is the tradition of king cakes. And I know that uh, we, you know, there are many different areas that have the same kind of tradition, uh, but for us down here, I think we celebrate it in a unique kind of way, and I'd just like to share that uh, with you. So 
that is coming up on January 5th. And in my next episode here at The Catholic Foodie, I will also talk about uh, king cakes as well. So um, please remember to, to check that out when it comes out January 5th, and then also episode 6 of The Catholic Foodie. I think um, I will even include a recipe uh, for king cakes if you want to try to uh, make one yourself. I've never done that. It seems to me kind of um, uh, kind of tricky. Baking is, I mean, if I, I can bake pizzas and uh, I can bake a few other things, but I, I, I'm always uh, a little, I guess, timid when it comes to uh, uh, to doing serious pastry type baking. I don't know why. I think part of it is just that my kitchen isn't uh, equipped, well equipped to uh, to handle that kind of work. So, anyway. Um, Keep an eye out for that, and uh, uh, I hope I hope it'll be good. Matter of fact, one last thing I just remembered is I will include uh, contact information if you would like to order a king cake. Uh, a lot of the places down here in southeast Louisiana will ship king cakes all over the United States. So if that's something that you'd be interested in trying, I will put a link up and also give you some more of my own personal uh, critique of, of a couple of these places and ways that you can contact them. When you come to my house and I cook for you. Okay. Oh, uh, yeah, that might be a problem. What's problem? I'm the best cook in the family, tell you. Oh, I did, didn't I? Twice. Okay, then. <laughs> oh. um, it's just, uh, yeah. Ian is a vegetarian. He doesn't eat meat. He don't eat no meat? No, he doesn't eat meat. What do you mean he don't eat no meat? Oh, that's okay. That's okay. I make lamb. Well, in this segment, we're going to kind of recap Christmas and uh, the food that we had uh, over Christmas. And we're going to start out with uh, a quote. Uh, one, of the, one of the Christmas presents that uh, Char got was a book uh, by Marcel Bienvenu, who is a food historian down here in Louisiana. She's from the uh, Lafayette area. And uh, she's also the one who has... Uh, co-authored a number of cookbooks, uh, mainly the, the Emerald Lagasse cookbooks. She's co-authored those. And uh, she's, she is um, very fascinating. Anyway, in this book, Shar uh, came across a quote, and it's called, by the way, the, book, the name of the book is, Who's Your Mama? Are You Catholic? And Can You Make a Root? So it's very much a, a Louisiana cultural kind of a, a book. And once again, in this book, she tells lots of stories about growing up and her family and uh, just the, the, the culture, the down-home culture of Louisiana. Anyway, uh, in reading the book uh, this morning, Char came across a uh, quote that she'd like to uh, share with you. Well, actually, it's just a, a little bit out of her introduction. Um, she says she walked through her childhood believing everyone enjoyed the pleasure of preparing and consuming jambalaya, crawfish bisque, and stewed okra. We were not aware that we were assimilating any special kind of cuisine. We only knew that our food was good. Food and its preparation were at the center of our lives. She talks about being surrounded by good cooks and good food, and she has a desire to share with others the dear memories and delicious food that are the natural result of a lifetime of good times spent with family and friends. Anyway, I could relate to that. Yeah. You know, I, I just, that's, 
you know, just what we experienced on New Year's Eve, I mean, Christmas Eve, um, being at my parents' house. It was just, uh, it's just kind of the center of of our times together, and it's always... Um, it's always around food. It's always around food, but it always is, is great memories. So um, we just had a really nice nice Christmas Eve at my brother's and um we got there kind of early we got there around what 11 11 30 in the morning yeah yeah early early for us that's very early for us um but you know we arrived and um we were you know we I, I brought the antipasti and we put everything out on a tray and it was it was just really nice we um and Norman had made that pate which was delicious but um, you know, we just sipped our wine and um, enjoyed each other's company, and um, it was very leisurely. We weren't rushed, and mm-hmm. um, and we were in the kitchen the whole time. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. I mean, in the kitchen they have an island there with uh, like a bar, an island. I don't know what you call it, uh, with chairs. So you got I don't know four or five chairs, stools across there, and. Uh, Spent a lot of time just sitting on the stools and talking uh, while uh, Norman cooked or, uh, you know, Charles was putting together the antipasti and uh, just spent most of the day right there uh, in that spot. And, of course, I mean, the kitchen and the, the living room area kind of blend together, so it's just one big room. Uh, but lots of good smells. They had lobster bisque uh, cooking on the stove. And, um, uh, well, the duck had been cooked beforehand and was sitting there waiting for the, the uh, orange sauce, which Norman was preparing as well. And uh, just a very leisurely day. We had uh, some good wine. Matter of fact, Norman pulled out a bottle from uh, Napa that he bought, he said, a few years ago. And it, this, this bottle was like a special bottle. It was a huge bottle. It was about as big as my arm. Um, I mean, this thing, I don't know, you know, sometimes you go to the grocery store or the liquor store, wherever you go to buy wine, and you can get a double bottle, right? Just this big bottle, which is like two uh, 750 milliliters put together, and uh, that's big. But this thing must have been like twice that, at least, huh? Like double that or something? I mean, it was yeah, a I don't know. big bottle of wine. I don't remember the label, but uh, it was very nice, uh, very nice. So, uh, what were some of the highlights? What did you uh, like most mm. about just Christmas Eve, just that uh, that meal, that day? Uh, could be uh, being with your uh, your family or any particular dish, anything that really kind of stood out on that day? Oh, it was great just being together. Um, but we did sit down to eat, um, and the lobster bisque was first, and of course... I love lobster bisque. <laughs> yeah. um, so that was delicious. That was definitely one of my favorite dishes. But you like the oysters Rockefeller a whole bunch. Oh, the o- yeah, it was delicious. It was delicious. And I'll put some photos on Flickr if you want. And I'll put a link in the show notes to those photos. Uh, beautiful presentation. I mean, the food was uh, exquisite, but the presentation was, was phenomenal as well. So the oysters uh, Rockefeller was in this little, what looked like a clamshell, uh, but like a I don't know, it's not porcelain, but it's some sort it's of. It's a shell, baby. It was just it a shell. It wasn't a real shell. Yes, it is. No, 
I'm pretty sure it was. Those I've are got shells. Pictures. I've got pictures. I grew up with those shells. I don't know if those were not those real shells. shells, huh? They're shells. Oh well, it must have been all that wine. I guess I didn't notice that. <laughs> that was a shell. <laughs> anyway, it was uh, it was really nice, and I wish I would have had another one of those. It was so good, but there were too many other things to eat, so I didn't want to fill up on uh, oysters, Rockefeller. But anyway, so, it was all good. It was all good. The duck was really good. The duck was fantastic. The duck was really good. So. And of course, the grape leaves. The grape leaves. Yamala's grape leaves were phenomenal. So, out of all of those, what was your favorite? The lobster. Oh, the lobster. I said the lobster. Best. The lobster was your you favorite. That's okay. just my favorite. Oh, good. Favorite deal. And that's one of the things, too, I know with your family. I mean, my family isn't like this, and I'm like this, but my family's not like this. When you get together, you know, you get together for a meal. Uh, typically, you start out with, you know, when you first get there, you have a glass of wine, and you've got something laid out. Right. You know, this meal, Christmas Eve, we had the antipasti, but when we go to your mom's, uh, typically she'll have, like, some cheeses out or maybe a, um, what do you call it, uh, hummus with pita yeah. bread, something like that. So uh, that's very good. Very Where's good. your quote from the I have a quote. I think it's in the other room. Though. Oh, because um, that really sums it up well. Yeah, we have a, another book that I came across. We're at Barnes and Noble just the other day, and I was just you know, Charles was in another store shopping, so I went and I uh, was just looking around, browsing through the cookbooks and uh, looking at at different things, and I came across this book, which is a cookbook. Uh, Lebanese, or actually it's more than just Lebanese, it's a Middle Eastern uh, cuisine, which includes uh, Lebanon, of course. And this is a quote that I read out of uh, out of the introduction, which I thought was just, it was great. It kind of summed up everything that we're talking about as far as the food and the culture and how, you know, the, 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 the family times kind of center around the food. The food is all part of it. And it's that sharing of a meal, things that are very, very special. And uh, this is the, the quote right here. It's page 5. It's on page 5. Okay. There we go. All right. She was talking about... How, I mean, she had grown up in Egypt, apparently, and she was trying to uh, put together at some point, when they all came to the United States, they came and they put it together from... Uh, she wanted to collect recipes because, you know, her the thing when you come to the United States from another country or go to Europe, for instance, out of Egypt, you want to kind of maintain some of your culture. And of course, food and culture are sort of intertwined. You can't really separate the two. So she starts to uh, meet people, interview people, talk to people, get recipes from these various countries, these Middle Eastern countries. And this is what she had to say. She says, I sought out people from all over the Middle East for recipes. I hung around carpet warehouses and embassies, visa departments in the School of Oriental and African Studies in London. It must have seemed a strange thing to do in those days, but I was very lucky, and I ended up meeting some very good cooks. They explained in the minutest detail the washing and the handling of ingredients, the feel, the smell, and the color of the food, but usually omitted quantities, weights, and cooking times. I learned that to some, leave it a little meant an hour, that five spoonfuls was in order to make a round figure or because five was for them a lucky number. And that a pinch could be anything from an eighth of a teaspoon to a heaped tablespoon. 
They were lyrical about how delicious the dishes were and on the circumstances in which they were prepared. It gave them, I think, as much pleasure to describe the dishes as it gave me to record the recipes. So I think that's another quote that we can uh, totally relate to because, you, you know, you're talking about talking about food. Uh, it's not just the preparation. It's not just the circumstances uh, in which those <laughs> meals are prepared, but it's also just the talking about uh, the food. And I think in the last uh, episode, Charles had mentioned that when we were in uh, when we were in, in our on our honeymoon in Venezuela, that. You know, we had this video camera and we were taking it around and, and shooting footage of, of the different places we went to, the beach and um, this lagoon area that we took a boat ride through and uh, this, this, this restaurant on this mountain way up in the, in the mountains that kind of overlooked this really beautiful valley. Uh, all these places we were taking the, the video camera and, and, and shooting footage, but the majority of the videoing that we did was back at the condo where we were, I would set it up on like a, 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 a countertop or something to where it would show both of us, and we would sit there and talk about what we ate that day, the food that we ate and where we went and, and what we saw and the, the uh, atmosphere of the restaurants and, and things like that. Anyway, Charles, are you pointing something out? Mm-mm. No? No. Okay. Well, we're going to share some more. Once again, I've, I've mentioned this already. We are going to share some more about Lebanese cuisine and, and, and culture and coming episodes, but I think for this episode, uh, we're about finished with a segment at least, right? Yes, we are. Okay, All right. we're gonna get so, this down somehow, huh? Yeah, it's it's uh, this is new and different, and we're working on this whole <laughs> thing. We're not quite sure what we're doing, but we're doing something. <laughs> so uh, hopefully, we can uh, kind of improve and and maybe even perfect uh, this whole recording thing and, and, and try to figure out what we're doing. Anyway, uh, we're going to move on now to the, the next segment. Ciao. <laughs> well, the the funny thing about that is once we uh, recorded that little segment, which we did uh, actually just a, a little bit ago, I'm, I'm pulling in that audio. Uh, as I mentioned, I think, last podcast, I have a uh, microphone for my iPod and so we can record uh, stuff uh, together, and I do that beforehand. Uh, after we had finished recording that, my son, my nine-year-old son, came in, and I asked him the same question. I asked him what he really liked about Christmas Eve and uh, that meal, and let's hear what he had to say. Okay, I'm I'm standing here with my son, who is nine years old, Christopher, Christopher Wayne, and uh, I, Christopher, I was just talking to your mama about Christmas Eve and how good all that food was. So I wanted to ask you, what did you think about the food? What was your favorite thing? My favorite, th- my favorite thing in all the foods would be the duck. It was, it was very good. It was very sweet, mm-hmm. and it was, it was finger food. It, you can eat it with your fingers or with fork and knife. It, it was just great to eat duck again. That's right. So, and, we, and we ate it two days in a row because the next day we had turducken. That's right. We did. We had duck the next day as well. Now, you said that the duck was sweet. Do you know kind of like what what it tasted like? What was the what was it that made it sweet? Do you remember? It it tasted like a mixture of sugar and um, orange juice. Orange. That's right. That was right. It was 
duck a l'orange, right? It was uh, uh, duck with an orange sauce, and that was the sauce that Uncle Norman was making uh, when we first got there at the house, huh? Did you have, besides the duck, was there anything else you thought was, like, really, really good? Yes, the oysters. Oyster Rockefeller? Oyster Rockefeller. That's right. You love oysters, Oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember the first time you ate a raw oyster, I took a picture of you. It was... I still I had, have that picture somewhere. Yeah, I had a picture. You had a picture of me having a raw oyster on, in the sh- in the shell with ketchup on it. I was eating it. That was pretty good, huh? Yeah, and um, this time it was an adult only dish because a whole bunch of the adults there had too much experience with kids not liking oysters. Right. But they didn't know about me. They like, did know about you, they, huh? No, they didn't know about me. So you got one, though, didn't you? I did. You did. You told Uncle Norman that was your favorite or what? Mm-hmm. And he gave you one? Oysters and my favorite seafood besides sushi. Besides sushi, that's right. We're going to have to talk about sushi in one episode, too, because I know that's your favorite, isn't it? Yes, it is my favorite. It is your favorite. Well, good. Well, thank you for telling us that. And uh, anything else you want to say? Yes, um... My dad really likes beer, and so does my godfather. <laughs> that's right, and we tried some new beers last night. And that's, last night. That's we, something for the beer segment, though. We're gonna last night that. there was Bad Elf and Very Bad Elf. Right, Bad Elf, and we're going to get to that in the, in the next segment, I think, or in a couple of segments when we talk about beer. So I'll, I'll tell them about the Bad Elf and the Very Bad Elf then, okay? Okay. Tell everybody goodbye. Bye. Well, that that was uh, very funny. Uh, my son is hysterical, and I did not expect him to talk about uh, to talk about the beer. <laughs> anyway, since he did, since he did bring up the beer, um, I will. Uh, I think I guess move on to the beer segment here. Uh, I did try uh, a new beer actually, and I, I don't know. Once again, this was something that was recorded a few days ago. I think on Saturday night, um, I had gone to World Market and found. Uh, these beers that were on sale it was after Christmas. So it was like fifty percent off. This four pack of this, uh, these beers that were um, well, it's from an English uh, brewery, and they're imports. And it's something that they have around Christmas time every year. Uh, bad Elf, very Bad Elf, uh, Warm Welcome, and I think the other one is Lump of Coal uh, Stout. Anyways, a four pack. Uh, I think there were pints, and uh, it was. It was on sale. I couldn't. I couldn't resist, so I got that. And on Saturday night, I did uh, a review of the um, which one? What do you call it? A review of the uh, the warm welcome. A warm welcome, which was a br- uh, nut brown ale. And uh, why don't we go ahead and uh, listen to that right now? Oh, you gotta taste this. This is oh, it's got this kind of nice mm, burning. Melty. It's not really a smoky taste. It, it, it's a certain. Oh, it, it's kind of like a. You know, it's got like this boom sap kind of taste. Don't you think? What, what would you call that flavor? Lightningy. Yeah. It's lightningy. Oh, we gotta do that again. Okay. When the next storm comes, we'll go up on the roof. I know what this needs. Saffron. A little saffron would make this. Saffron. Why do I get the feeling it's, it's in, in the, the kitchen? kitchen. Welcome to my kitchen. This is going to be a crazy uh, segment. I have right now, what I am doing is I am making a gumbo. So I have uh, my roux that I already made. 
And for those of you non-Cajun, non-Creole uh, people out there, a roux is spelled R-O-U-X. And it's basically a it's, it's flour and oil that is uh, blended together and then cooked over a uh, over medium heat. And it is uh, you basically what you're trying to do is you're trying to fry the roux gently over medium heat or fry the flour rather fry the flour uh, so that it, it turns a dark brown almost uh, like chocolate. It takes about 20, 25, 30 minutes to do. And uh, uh, you want to, you don't want to burn it, so you got to be very careful. And once the the roux is uh, made, you throw in, as I just did, uh, a bunch of onions, chopped up onions, celery, bell pepper, uh, seasoned with salt and cayenne, and you let those veggies get uh, soft. And uh, I'm about to add some water. And then I'm going to transfer this to my big pot. Right now I'm using an all-clad uh, pot. I don't know what kind of pot this is, but it's the biggest one I have, all-clad. But it's not big enough for a gumbo, so I'll be using my big aluminum pot uh, to make the gumbo. And this is going to be a chicken and andouille gumbo tonight. Now we have here, in the, I'm also frying uh, some... Uh, Sausage, some andouille sausage. You might be able to hear the sizzle here. Um, there's a lot of sounds you're probably going to hear. The sausage, uh, my voice, uh, my two two girls are right here by uh, sitting at the at the bar here, right where I'm cooking the counter, and um, and then it's storming outside, so you might hear thunder. Uh, hear kids making comments and all of that, but I am joined here with my wife, and the whole point of this segment is to do another beer tasting. Yesterday, was it yesterday or the day before yesterday, when we were at World Market? Two days ago, I went to World Market uh, to look for something, and when we were there, we saw this uh, beer collection on sale, and I've been wanting to try this beer for a couple of years now and just never have gotten around to do it. Uh, the one that I saw originally that I wanted to try is called uh, Bad Elf. So Bad Elf. And uh, this is a product of the United Kingdom and it is uh, produced and bottled by Ridgeway Brewing in Oxfordshire. And they've got a, a collection of holiday brews. And uh, the Bad Elf is the one that I was most familiar with, or at least I recognize it, but they also have some others. Anyway, there was a four-box set, 50% off, four-box set, 50% off, which is a pretty good deal, and I couldn't resist, so I went ahead and, and got a box, and it's um, one of the ones that we're going to try tonight, or the one we're going to try tonight, is called Warm Welcome Nut Brown Ale, and it's the perfect holiday Toast is what it says. It has a picture on the front of Santa Claus coming down uh, a chimney, a fireplace, coming out of a fireplace, and it's got a roaring fire in it, so he's obviously burning his push. And, uh, what? Oh, never mind. There's more there, but we're not going to talk about that. Well, okay. my wife pointed that out, so. Here, here goes the, uh, here goes the, 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 
opening of the bottle. There we go. Uh, I'm not going to talk about that. <laughs> Alright, here we go. Here's the pour. Now this is a nut brown ale. And let's see. Try to get two glasses out of here. I don't know if you can hear the rain in the background or the sausage. Um, there, there we go. Now I gotta add this water real quick so I don't burn my gumbo. Okay, should we toast? Yes. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. All right. Not bad. It's got a. Uh, I don't know, it's like a brownish color, but almost looks like a hint of orange in it to me. It has a, a nice little head on it. Uh, maybe, I don't know, what do you think? That's about half an inch in my glass? Maybe? Yeah. It's fading fast, though. It's about half an inch head, and it's fading fast. And uh, what do you think? What, what's the taste like? What are you reminded of when you taste it? Don't ask me. <laughs> Don't ask you. Um, you don't it's, anything. It's cloudy. It I is cloudy. Get, I can't get my like a. It doesn't linger. The taste doesn't linger. Okay. Anything else? I mean, it's pretty pretty light for a ale, huh? It is light. Um. It's kind of got tiny bubbles too, huh? The bubbles are kind of tiny. It's got a. Uh, I, I will. I will look this one up on uh, Beer Advocate uh, to share with you what what Beer Advocate says. But it also it says let's see, on the back of the label, it says, uh, "Ew." That's at least that's what it looks like. It says to me, and. Um, Especially for the holidays. Um, I'm trying to stir my sausage while I do this. It's probably not a good thing. You want to pick that up for me, honey? Mm -hmm. Just hold it kind of close. It says, especially for the holidays, a brown ale with real attitude. The malt... The malt uh, used to make warm welcome are roasted to give a hearty amber-brown color and a warm, rounded, nutty taste. This fine ale is dedicated to all you curious brew lovers out there who um, who ever had serious questions about the mechanics of Santa's supposed arrival by way of the chimney. How does he do that anyway? So that's the back of the label. I'm trying to stir the sausage that I'm kind of burning here. But it'll add a little more flavor to the gumbo, so that's okay. And... Um, I don't know. I do taste the nuttiness, but it is—it's kind of cloudy, and to me, it almost tastes cloudy. I'm gonna—I'm gonna take another taste real quick as I'm pulling the sausage up. For some reason, I—I I, I taste almost like a hint of orange, and it may just be—may just be me. Anything else you like to add, honey? No. And that's it. All right, so this was an interesting uh, tasting tonight. I know very different than, than last time. It's in the kitchen, and it's with a lot of uh, noise and commotion. But we will, um, 
We'll talk to you. Uh, wait, you want to hear the, the rain? Let's see if we can hear the rain over here. That's the rain. We've got the windows open. It's about, uh, what, 50 degrees outside, and uh, we have the rain going. And that's it for uh, for now. Let's move on. Well, I am. Uh, I apologize for all that noise in the kitchen. I know it was very uh, noisy. I heard the, the the scraping of the pot and the the dinging of the spoon on the edge of the pot and all of that. I apologize. Uh, that was kind of a spur of the moment thing. I wanted to do another beer tasting, but once again, time time is always an issue. So uh, it was a, a pretty good beer. I mean, it wasn't what I expected from a uh, a nut brown ale. And uh, as I promised, this is what they said on. Uh, beeradvocate.com um, the Aelstrom brothers have uh, not reviewed this particular beer but it did receive a popular uh, overall uh, grade of a B minus which is not that bad they've they've had 65 reviews on this beer and I'm going to choose just one uh, close to the top uh, just one that was made on the 26th uh, one review of this particular beer. It says it's deep orange in color, but not very not a very brown ale. It has a dirty white foam and it's decent uh malty smell with light spicy notes, but again not so brown. And it's more of an English ale, strong, you know, for an English ale. It's six percent, I believe, alcohol by volume. Uh nothing bad, but for uh from a winter beer you can expect a bit more. Has average to light body, light malt in the aftertaste, light cereal notes, and uh, there's too much light in it. It's uh, not very remarkable, is what it said. And this particular person gave it a C-plus rating. And once again, I've had uh, nut brown ales before, and they tend to be a bit darker, a little browner. This one was very light and orange in color and very cloudy. Um, I liked it. It wasn't it wasn't uh, a bad beer. It's just uh, not quite what I expected and um you know I, I know that everybody's taste buds are a bit different but i really did taste like a hint of orange uh in that beer so uh, a warm welcome from the uh, ridgeway brewing brewing excuse me brewing brewing having a hard time saying that word uh in the united kingdom so uh you may want to try that one out uh or you may not I did, by the way, as I mentioned uh, last night with uh, my son's godfather, a really good friend of mine. We did we did try the bad elf and the very bad elf, but because of time constraints, I'm going to have to save those uh, those comments that I have uh, for another episode. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Sorry, this is the fun V. The humdrum V is back there. That's right. This is the fun V. And one of the fun things about podcasting is that you get feedback. 
And uh, I have a couple of pieces of feedback I'd like to share with you today. The first one is a recipe. Once again, a recipe. This this one's sent in by uh, by Mike and uh, in New Jersey, and I'm very uh, happy to have gotten this recipe. Uh, Mike and I had talked a while back, and I was uh, telling him I think at one point, or maybe I had put this on Plurk, that uh, I had just made a lentil soup, and the the recipe that we use is a Lebanese recipe. And he uh, noted that he had just made a lentil soup not that long ago, and he would share that recipe with me, and here it is. This is a lentil and carrot soup recipe. And uh, he said he made it for some uh, some friends who are vegetarians uh, who came in for a party in October, and that they liked it so much they'd ask for the recipe. And here it is. It's uh, one pound of lentils, eight cups of vegetable or chicken broth, a large onion chopped, three cloves of garlic minced, two teaspoons of curry powder, five carrot slices, uh, or, or five carrots sliced thin, uh, one red bell pepper chopped, and then a half to one teaspoon of mushroom powder, uh, shirashi hot sauce, and I, I believe that's how you pronounce it. I've, down here at least, uh, my family, Char's family, we all pronounce it as shirashi or shirasha uh, hot sauce, which is a, uh, I believe it's a Chinese uh, or Japanese hot sauce, uh, pepper sauce is really good. And I can maybe put a link in the show notes to that as well, uh, someplace where you could buy that. And then chopped scallion as a, as a garnish. And uh, the, the method is very simple. You just place uh, in a large saucepan the lentils and, and water. You, you bring the water to a boil, uh, place the lentils in there, and then you skim the froth. And then you just stir everything else in and simmer, partially covered, for 20 to 25 minutes. And one of the things I like most about lentil soup, I mean, it tastes good, but it takes a very short period of time for those lentils to uh, to cook. Anyway, I will, uh, just as I did the last recipe that Mike sent in, I will put this also on the website, uh, catholicfoodie.com. Also received uh, some voice feedback, this time from uh, Doug Mumphrey, who is uh, who is the Manly Catholic. He, he does the Manly Catholic podcast. And I would like to play his voice feedback for you. Hi, Jeff. It's Doug Mumphrey, the Manly Catholic. I thought I'd leave you a piece of feedback on what's going on in my kitchen. Well, for Christmas, I'm doing something completely out of the box. And we're having spaghetti and meatballs for Christmas. Uh, it's my, my grandmother's special recipe. Um, we only pull it out every, every now and then on special occasions. Uh, and the strange thing about it is it's not your typical spaghetti and meatballs. Um, it has no seasonings in it whatsoever, uh, <laughs> other than uh, a little bit of salt. Uh, mainly all it is is just uh, some tomato paste and water and some sugar and then some salt to uh, you know to kind of balance it out. Uh, but other than that, and a little olive oil too, uh, to fry the tomato paste. But other than that, it is quite simple. The reason it doesn't have any seasonings in it uh, is because my grandfather, who was an American-born uh, full Sicilian, his folks came here to Louisiana uh, straight from straight from Sicily at the turn of the before the turn of the last century. But the reason why is he can't stand that he could not stand the taste of onion onions and garlic. Couldn't even stand the smell. Even if he thought something had onions and garlic in it, he would uh, he would turn it away at the door. And uh, it's actually quite funny, uh, but that's the reason why there's no there's no seasonings in in, in in this tomato sauce. And then my grandmother's meatballs are going with it as well. And these meatballs are uh, 
not your traditional meatball either, to say the least. Um, they're very, uh, the, the, the mixture is very, very moist. Uh, has a lot of cheese in it, uh, a lot of Romano cheese. Uh, and it, it almost falls off the spoon because you have to use a spoon to, to, to fry them up in. Uh, to put them into the pan because they're so they're so soft that just it just falls apart, and the meatballs only work in this sauce. I've you know we've tried them in in jar sauces and other homemade sauces, and it just doesn't work out that way. So, uh, but other than that, I mean that, that's what we're doing, and and uh, my folks are coming over, and my my brother and my sister in law are coming over, and we're going to share this meal. Uh, it's kind of a remembrance of my grandparents and. Uh, and just uh, to spend a good Christmas. Hope you guys have a, have a wonderful, wonderful Christmas uh, time. And I really enjoy your show. Keep up the great work, and I'll catch you later. Well, thank you so much, uh, Doug. I'm I'm uh, very happy that uh, that you sent that in to me, and I'm I'm really interested in it too. I mean, you know, we love onions and garlic, and so we we put that stuff in, in just about everything we cook. Um, and, and so at first. At first glance, it, it almost seems like, wow, you know, a, a, a tomato sauce with no onions and garlic, oh my goodness, you know, how can that be? But then I stopped and thought about it, you know, when I, when I make pizzas from scratch, which I love to do, and there's, there's nothing like it, um, I, I use a, a, a sauce, like a raw sauce, it's, it's just uh, um, tomatoes, whole tomatoes that I crush by hand, uh, and, and the juice that comes with the whole tomatoes. And I used two or three cans of that, uh, the big cans, like 28 ounce or whatever. And um, I add a little salt, and I do add some garlic, but not that much. And uh, I, I also add a little onion powder, not not that much, once again. And um, I can't remember what else I add. I think I do add a little Greek seasoning. I've got some fresh Greek seasoning that we get every year at the big Greek fest that we have in New Orleans, uh, right there at the Greek Orthodox Church. Uh, it's, it's like, a uh, it's not just a church. I can't remember right now, uh, what it is. It's not a basilica, not, not anything like that, but it's kind of like a cathedral. Basically it's, it's the heart for the Greek Orthodox here in, in, uh, Louisiana. And even though we're Roman Catholic, I love going over there to the Greek Orthodox, uh, church, you know, every year for this particular, f- uh, festival because the, the, the culture is so similar to the Lebanese culture. Anyway, uh, so we put some of those spices in that tomato sauce as well. However, this is what I do, and this takes me back all the way to my childhood, is before I crush all those tomato pieces, what I do is I take some of that sauce that's already in the, the can, and I'll put a little bit in a glass dish, a small glass dish, not that much, but it maybe a couple of spoonfuls in there, and I eat it just like that. I, there's just something about it. Uh, there's something about that taste, just the simplicity of the tomato sauce that I really, really like. So every time I make pizza and I use those uh, canned tomatoes, I always pull that stuff out and I eat it right there, um, standing at the counter, you know, and I love it. So I can imagine that uh, this recipe, your grandmother's recipe, has got to be good. You know, it's got to be good. So since you live so close, you know, one day uh, you may have to invite me over so we could have some. <laughs> Now, I'd also planned on uh, having some feedback from my youngest daughter. She's six years old, and uh, the other day, it's, it's really kind of funny, the other day she, uh, she came up to me and she said, Dad, I, I want to make a list of my favorite foods uh, for the Catholic foodie, and uh, you know, I, I, can you write them down? I'll tell you what they are. Can you write them down? 
So she proceeds to give me this this list, you know, of which included like salt and butter and things like that, you know, along with like lamb and sushi and uh, candy and all these other things. And um, I thought it'd be really, really cute to have her on the show right now um, reading her list, uh, you know, to you. Uh, however, she's down the street playing at a friend's house and, and I'm in the middle of recording it, so I can't, uh, I can't get her on here right now. But I thought that would be so... Uh, so funny. So what I'll do is I'll save that. In the next episode, uh, we will uh, share with you Grace's lists of favorite food. On Christmas Day, we haven't talked about the menu for Christmas Day, and I, I really don't want to get into that right now just because of time constraints, but uh, we did have that turducken, which I mentioned last episode, which is a turkey stuffed with a chicken. Wait, turducken. It's a turkey stuffed with a duck, stuffed with a chicken, stuffed with sausage. So it's a, apparently, Char did some research on it. It's a regional thing down here in, in this, this area of Louisiana, southeast Louisiana, roughly. And, um, you know, it's it's uh, boneless. They, they do include the turkey legs and the turkey wings, though, with bones in them. But other than that, everything's boneless. And it's really good. It's really juicy. It's just really, really good. And we had one of those for Christmas Day. My parents brought the turducken with them. And uh, at one point, we're all busy with the food and, and the preparations, and I had cooked a, a couple of the dishes that, that went along with the turducken, and, and so we really weren't paying attention that much to the, to the kids. And so Grace ended up getting the digital camera, and she's going around the house taking pictures of everybody and everything. And at one point, I see her getting up on the, on the counter, on the bar right there, the counter, and taking pictures of all the food. And she was taking lots of close-up pictures of the food. And I, I, I said, what are you doing? And she says, I'm taking pictures for the Catholic foodie. And I thought, this is awesome. Yes, this is awesome. My kids are all getting into the Catholic foodie. So anyway, I'll have to share some of those pictures on Flickr. I'll put a, a, a link in the show notes. And also we'll get her to come and make her own commentary on her favorite list of foods uh, next episode. Well, once again, we have gotten to this part of the show, and it's taken a little bit longer than I thought, or it, it's running a little bit longer than I thought it would. So I think I'm going to push back once again my review of that software, of the uh, the application, the Mac application, SousChef, which uh, I am finding to be very fascinating. I really do want to share that with you. But I think I'm going to push that back because we still have to talk about the contest, the first ever contest of the Catholic Foodie, which is uh, for a mortar and pestle. And so I did have a few uh, pieces of feedback as a result of this contest, and uh, I am going to get my son to come in here and help me to draw a name. Okay, uh, my nine-year-old son, Christopher, is here to help me. He's going to draw a name out of the hat, although it's not a hat. I thought about using a hat, but actually I'm going to use a mortar. So we have the mortar here, and uh, Christopher's going to draw a name out of it. If I had a drum roll sound effect, I would use that right now, but I don't. So, Christopher, just pick one name out of this uh, hat. And then read it. And you can read it. If you can read my handwriting, you can read it. Mike. Oh, it's Mike. Okay, Mike in New Jersey, you are the winner of the Mortar and Pestle. Congratulations, and uh, if you would, uh, send me... A, uh, an email with your address to catholic uh, catholicfoodie at gmail.com and I will send you um, I'll send you the mortar and pestle congratulations Mike 
And once again, if you don't remember, the contest was about uh, feedback. I was just trying to get some feedback here for the show so I could play that on um, here on the show. Uh, and, and if you do have feedback, you can uh, send that to me via email at catholicfoodie at gmail.com. Or you can call the voice feedback line at 985-635-4974. 985-635-4974. Flight controllers, listen up. Give me a go, no, go for launch. Podcasting from the banks of the Mississippi River. Booster. Retro. Go. Vital. Go fly. Guidance. Guidance go. Igniting men's spirituality with the flame of Jesus Christ. Surgeon. Go flight. Ecom. Or go flight. GNC. Or go. Tell you. Go. Control. Go flight. It's time to cast off the shackles of society and step out of the boat. Keep our eyes on the real man. Procedures. Go. Inco. Go. FAO. We are go. Network. Go. Recovery. Go. Capcom. We're go flight. Launch control. This is Houston. We are go for launch. It's time for the Manly Catholic Podcast. Hi, this is Doug Mumphrey. Manly Catholic is an initiative that reaches out to men to increase their faith and to live their faith deeper on a daily basis by talking about the qualities that truly make us a man. Namely, ones that make us more like Jesus, the real man, and not the false image that society often forces upon us. Do you have what it takes to be a manly Catholic? If so, then join us every week at www.manlycatholic.com or go to iTunes and type in Manly Catholic. God bless. And remember, with Jesus in your heart, all the kryptonite in the world won't stop you from becoming a manly Catholic. Well, thank you so much there, uh, Doug. That was a wonderful promo. And if you haven't checked out The Manly Catholic yet, go ahead and do that, www.manlycatholic.com. Well, here we are at the end of another show. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. Um, If you would like to send feedback once again to The Catholic Foodie, you can do so at uh, catholicfoodie at gmail.com, or you can call the voice feedback line at 985 635-4974. Don't forget to check out the the show notes at catholicfoodie.com where you'll find links to the things that we talked about this episode. And until next time, bon appetit.